You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome to this York 9 special edition of the Down the Pub podcast. We are joined by the gaffer Jimmy Brennan and in part two we're joined by new recruit Michael Petrasso. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also leave us a, a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate all the support you can give us. Now on with the show. Okay, so welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub Podcast. We are joined by Canadian legend and York Nine manager, uh, Jimmy Brennan. Welcome to the show, Jimmy. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Um, we also have uh, my co-host, Carlos, with us here as well. Hey, Carlos. Uh, hi, Anthony. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Jim, Jimmy, for agreeing to be part of this podcast. So, so Jimmy, the, uh, the first question I have is the big news, obviously, coming out of York 9 this week is the transfer of Emilio Estevez to uh, Den Haag. How did this move come about for him? Well, I think when, you know, Emilio, once he started breaking into the first team, he got an international call-up. Um, he's playing World Cup qualifiers um, over in Asia, and he played against Australia, and he started creating a, a bit of a, a name and interest for himself. Um, we started getting some calls from agents, uh, you know, for, from teams in China and a couple in Europe. Um, and then finally, you know, we were going back and forth with, with a couple of agents and, uh, then the, the team in, in the Dutch top league ends up calling and saying we want them, and uh, that was Gus. Gus ended up uh, finalizing the deal, and and that was it. The rest is history. Off he goes now. Yeah, it's like a, what a uh, what, what an incredible story, though. Like I mean, like you guys picked them up at a, a trial last year, right? Um, yeah. So what was it that you saw in the trial that made you sign them yourself? Uh, I think for me, it was just. Seeing his movement, his balance, uh, the way he expressed himself on, on the pitch. Uh, you know, watching so many young Canadian kids, it's, it's very rare that you see a, an individual like him um, that just plays with so much freedom. Um, I mean, I, I watched him five minutes and right away I said, I've I got to sign this kid. He's got something special. And, uh, and that was it. You know, ended ended up signing him because he, he's such a quiet kid, and you know he's he's a good laugh when you get to know him, but very 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 relaxed off the pitch. But you know, the, once he gets on uh, in games and on the training field, he's he really expresses himself, um, and that's where you see his his true character come out, which I loved. So uh, obviously, you had a, an illustrious career yourself in Europe. Um, what advice did you give him just before he left? When we talked to him, I told him, I said, look, this is, this is what you've been waiting for. Um, you're, you're heading to one of the best leagues in Europe now. Um, and now it's, it's just you going over there, being humble, be respectful, um, learn, learn your trade some more. Um, and when you get called to, to play in that first team, you make sure you go out there and take that opportunity. Uh, has he guaranteed you uh, free tickets to every Den Hay game? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you would have. I mean, if I had. Um, yeah, yeah, go on. So, uh, so you, you announced the signing yourselves of uh, Canadian youth international um, Julian Altabelli. Uh, 
what does he bring to the club and do you see him as a direct replacement for Emilio? Uh, well, Julian's he's younger. He's a young kid, so you know, gradually we'll have to, to get him into the first team. Um, it's going to be a big step from him, uh, for him coming in into our squad, into the Canadian Premier League. Uh, but we've got to manage him right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not throwing him in the deep end. I want to get his toes wet and gradually get him in there so that when he does get into that first team, he, he stays. Um, it's with these young guys, uh, you, you've really got to look after them, monitor them, um, and make sure that you're, you're giving them every chance to be successful. The last thing we want to do is chuck them in and, um, and see them fail. I don't want them to fail. Um, so, you know, Julian's going to be a work in process. Uh, he's, a, he's a talented young footballer. He's a type of player that we like. Um, and, I'm, and we're looking forward to working with him. Yeah, I mean, like for us, like we're, we're Wanderers fans because we're based here in Halifax, but it's great for the league that we're able to bring in this young Canadian talent and we're not just depending on like people that are over the hill. So um, it's, it's great to see. Um, uh, you recently signed a contract station with York 9. You renew your contract. Um, what do you love about the club? Uh, what was that uh, point that made you re uh, sign again with the club? Well, it was, you know, we, we had a good year last year. Um, you know, we, we started off slow, but it took us a while to, to really bring our squad together and get them to gel. Um, and towards the, the, the later part of the season, we really started connecting. Um, we put in some great performances and, you know, we feel we've got a good squad, um, good backroom staff. And now it's about really pushing ourselves to, to get ourselves into a final and, and win a championship and, you know, once you're in these positions and you, you, there's an opportunity for success, you, you crave them and you want them. So, you know, we've, we've got a good thing here at York and, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, that I'll be at the helm for the next couple of years and working with these, these talented players that we have. This is great. Um, and going back a little bit to the past, before the CPL was launched, were you having conversations with the commissioner, David Planahan? Were you always the first choice for your nine? How was the approach? If you can tell us more about this story. The Canadian Premier League coming, we knew it was coming for a while. So, you know, there was a lot of executives, ex-professionals that were kind of involved with a lot of conversations. And it was just finding the right time to, to play your role in, in, this, in this league and, and be a small part to help develop young Canadians and, and help build a domestic league. So the, the conversations were, were going on for a while, um, not just at York, across the board, everybody was working collectively to, to get this up and running. Canadian Hall of Famer and Tottenham legend, uh, Paul Salteri has come in as your assistant coach. Uh, will it be a kind of a good cop, bad cop routine with you two? Or um, what does Paul bring to the table for you? Well, me, me and Paul, we've, we've grown up together. We played against each other when we were kids. We, we played in the national team together, youth under-17s and uh, under-23s. We played in the, the full men's national team. So we, we've known each other a long, long time. And with, with Paul coming in, it just gives us a, another, another individual who's got professional experience, who's played at the highest level. And Paul's a great coach, and he's got some wonderful ideas and so the timing was right for us to, to work together. We knew at one point we would. You know, Stolle was in with the, with the national team before, but, you know, the, the timing just worked out for both of us. And uh, to get him in, no, it's, it's not good cup, bad cup. You know, we, we've got the same mentality and uh, 
We, we both want to win. We want to be successful. Um, and we, we demand a lot from the players. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's great. And he's fit in well perfectly with the players. The players love him. They respect him. So we're, I'm looking forward to, to working with Sully over the next couple of years. So Halifax fans will want me to ask, uh, you signed a Halifax fan favorite, Matthew Arnone, in the offseason. What made you move for Matt? Well, Matt's, Matt's a local guy. Um, he's from the GTA and, you know, he lives, lives here close to the training facilities. And, you know, Matt, Matt's a, a guy that we can bring in with the experience in the league now um, that, that will create more competition with, with uh, Roger Thompson and Luca Gasparato. It just gives us an extra body and, and another guy with experience now to, to compete. You know, Matt's, Matt's a big body, can play in the midfield if needed. Um, he's got good feet, can play out the back the way that we like to play. So uh, it was a good fit for both parties. Yeah, we were definitely uh, sad to see him leave. He was like the supporters player of the year last year. So um, I hope he does well there. So, um, so, so obviously you were at Toronto uh, TFC from the beginning at the start of their franchise. How did that help you then start in York 9? Did it give you like a, a lot of experience to be able to, to start a, a new franchise in Canada? Yeah, it, it did. It helped out a lot. You know, it, it was very difficult. I mean, I, I never been in a position um, like that before and probably 95% of players around the world haven't, um, you know, to, to come into a professional organization that's starting from scratch. Uh, it's a unique situation, but you learn an awful lot on and off the pitch. Um, and it did help me. It did help me prepare, uh, putting this squad together. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it definitely helped, you know, I think with a, a lot of the errors that, that we made in the early part with TFC, we, we tried to, you know, uh, understand that those mistakes were, were made and, and not make them with York 9. And uh, I thought we did a, an all right job building, building this, this squad. Yeah, big time. Um, so you've, you've obviously played under great managers like Joe Jordan, Tony Pulis, George Burley, Mo Johnson, like what a list. Uh, do you, do you like become a sponge and just take in all their knowledge? Like, do you use like a lot of the stuff those guys would teach you? Yeah. Look, for me, I think your, your, your DNA is, uh, you, you get as a coach is from, from every manager that you've, you've played under and players. Um, you take a little bit of everybody, um, all the, all the positive pieces that you like, the negative parts that you didn't like, you, you throw to the side and, um, that creates who you are as a manager. So everybody's played a role. Um, along the way to to help me develop as a as an individual and, and manager now, um, but you know I, I was very fortunate that I, I worked under some some very good managers that that have managed at the highest level. Some played at the highest level as well. Joe Jordan, you know, playing at Man United and AC Milan, and I also had David Platt as well. So I've had a lot of lot of top managers. Um, and guys that with, with wonderful experience in the game. And it's just taking little bits and pieces of everybody to, to develop who you are as a coach. Awesome. Uh, did Joe Jordan teach you how to fight as well? Uh, yeah, listen, he, he was probably one of the hardest, <laughs> hardest men I've ever met in my life. I, I, anybody who puts it up to uh, Gattuso in Italy. <laughs> is I, think, not... I, I think he would have absolutely destroyed Gattuso. In fact, Redknapp even said that. He said, you're picking on the wrong guy here. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Carlos, far away there. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, going, to, going back to your playing career, how did the move to England 
come about when you were younger? Well, I just I came back from the Under-17 World Cup in Japan, and um, there was a, a guy here, Tony Taylor, who was a, the, um, the man that set it up for me. Originally, I was supposed to go to Celtic with Tommy Burns, and, uh, and Joe Jordan were both there at the same time. So, I mean, for me growing up, um, you know, Celtic was, was a club that I supported. My father's Irish, and, you know, my mom's Scottish. And, and you know, for me, Celtic was, was a dream, and I was like, oh, this is brilliant. I'm going to, going to Celtic. Tommy Burns ended up getting fired. Um, so I'm stuck with a plane ticket thinking, where am I going next? Then Lou Macari was at Stoke city. Um, so I was supposed to go to Stoke after that. And then I got a call from Tony saying, Lou just got fired. Now you're going to Bristol city with Russell Osman. So I was like, okay, perfect. Just send me anywhere. Just get me over to, over to the UK. Um, I ended up going to, to Bristol city, uh, played against Tottenham in the reserve, scored one, set one up and, Russell Osman called me in the next morning and said, listen, I'm signing you on a two-year deal. You're going home for five days. Go pack your bags, and then we'll see you soon. Wow, that's a fantastic story. And um, staying with the English football, um, you're now a manager. Um, and I know Canadian football have a little bit of similarities, maybe, I don't know, the physicality of the English football, the runs, everything. How much influence your experience in England and playing for England has um, developed in your coaching car career, your manager career. Is there any influence of the British football? Yeah, sure. You know, it's, you know, it, look, I, I played with some, some clubs when, and some managers that, that wanted to play, play football on the deck. You know, it's, it's a myth where everybody says, oh, it's English football is just, it's physical, it's physical. I mean, for me, the English football is the best in the world. It's the Premier League, the best league. It's it's fantastic to watch. It's and 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 the pace of the games, the skill that these players have. Um, you know, it's a tremendous, tremendous football. It's enjoyable uh, because it's it's action packed, and you know, for for ninety three minutes, you, you never know who's going to score in in, uh, in English football. But you know, at the same time, when I come back to Canada and we'd be going in for for World Cup qualifying or playing Gold Cup. The, the brand of football is completely different. It's a bit slower, more technical and tactical. And, you know, so the, every, everything, the, every team that I played in was, was completely different style of football. And you've got to find a, an understanding of, of the style of play that you want. Um, I love playing football on the deck, you know, with lots of movement, keeping possession. So, yeah, the, you know, there, there is a, a small part of me that, that takes it from English football, but then I, I love Mexican football. Um, So I try to take a little bit of everything and uh, and find a style that, that I really like. Yeah, Liga MX has a very visual football. It's a very technical skill. I, I watch it too. Um, and this is more about following that, the question of, of the coaching. Um, some players, when they're about to retire, uh, some of them, they want to stay in the, in, like doing football, like in some sort of titles or everything. Do you always wanted to be a coach uh, when you when when did that call came up like where you were showing like bids? Do you have any mentor that told you like like look Jimmy, I see that you have the skills to be a coach. I see how you analyze the game, etc. Can you tell us more a little bit about this? Yeah, um, look, I, I love the game. I've been you know in the pro game since I was 17, and I've got a massive passion for the sport. It's my life. It's my livelihood. Um, 
when I when I finished football, I wanted to see the business side and how how uh, the other side of the the game worked. And I went upstairs and worked with Joe uh, Joe Jordan as a as assistant manager or assistant GM. Um, and then I was continuing my uh, coaching education as well. And uh, I knew I wanted to coach at some point, so I ended up taking Toronto FC, the under 17s, and I worked with them for for two years. And I ended up. Uh, getting called up to the to the first team, working with uh, with Aaron Vinter, um, and I loved it. I just I, I truly enjoyed the the coaching, being on the pitch with the players, and uh, um, you know the the day to day interactions with uh, with my staff and the players. And I knew I wanted to be uh, to be a coach, and uh, you know I, I continued working. Uh, to, to finish my, my coach education over in, in Europe. Um, I actually just finished my UEFA uh, pro license, which is took forever to get, but you know, it's, you're, you're always trying to continue educating yourself in this game and, um, and, and make yourself better. And you've got to be able to move with the times the minute that you think, you know, it all you're finished. But I, I, I knew right away that, you know, I wanted to get into the coaching side, but I, I wanted to understand football and, and all aspects of it. And that's why I went up into the office first. A lot of people seem to go to to Europe to do their coaching badges and all that kind of stuff. What's the what's the coaching uh, system like here in Canada? Like, is the system just as good here that people could start their their journey here, or is it better to go and try and get like the? You know, the... I, I, look, I'd, I'd be lying if I if I said it, you know it was brilliant, it was or it was terrible because I I don't know I didn't I didn't do my coaching education here. I actually. When I was a player, I, I actually went down to the States to start uh, get my licensing with actually Danny Dicchio. Um, and then I ended up going over to the FAI and uh, finishing my UEFA license. So I've I never been through the, the process here, but I know Stuart Neely is a very good friend of mine. And uh, I know he's putting everything in place and he's very thorough. And, and from what I hear, it's, you know, the, the, coach, the, the coaching education is very good, but I, I have not experienced it myself. So with the UEFA Pro license, like does that um, that means you can basically coach any club in Europe now, right? Yeah, I mean, so you can you can coach in the, the the Premier League, the top leagues in Europe. You can coach international football. Uh, it's the the highest level that you can get in in, uh, in your coaching education. It just opens up uh, all the doors for for football now. Is that the is that the goal for yourself? Well, right now, look, I'm I'm really enjoying working in in the CPL. I'm enjoying it, but who knows down the line? I mean, I, I know what I'm like myself. I want to be tested. I want to push myself, and I, I want to get as far as I can coaching. And so we'll, who knows what, what, what will open up down the line. But right now, I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying myself in the, in the Canadian Premier League. The Jimmy Brennan Celtic manager has a nice ring to it. Yeah, big time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just going back to your playing career, like a little bit. Um, so, you were signed by England legend David Platt at the Forest, becoming the first Canadian brought for over a million pounds. Do price tags affect you? Like, does that play in your mind when you're brought in for like a lot of money? Um. You know, at first I was going, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is big. And, you know, you feel a little bit of pressure, but then, you know, I'm walking in the forest dressing room where you got guys, you know, at that time worth five, 10 million pounds that were, were, were getting sold and bought. And so, you know, the, the pressure wasn't on me. It was on a lot of the other guys that were getting, getting bought for a few million back then. 
that's it. That's fair, fair enough. Like, so far as it's like, over the prestigious history, like obviously with, with Brian Clough and stuff like that, like, does, does that kind of weigh on you, like when you uh, sign for a club like that? You know, at the time, because, it, you know, it's a, it's a massive club with, with history. Um, and I remember just walking in there and Brian Clough's walking around and we had uh, all the European Cup winners were there. They're, they're at every single game, coming into the dress room, talking to players after. So there's you walk in the front doors, there's a statue of Cluffy, the, the two European Cups are sitting there. And so the, the, the trophy cabinet was full. And, you, you know, there, there is a lot of pressure every game to go out there and perform for sure. I mean, all eyes are on you and they, they want to get back into the Premier League and, and start winning trophies again. Did you ever feel tempted to like lock the dressing room door to stop those guys coming in? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so you uh, you moved to, to Norwich next, and um, with those guys, you went up into the Premier League. What what was the step up in in class like going from the Championship to the Premier League? I mean, the the top part of the Championship and the, the bottom part of the Premier League. There's there's not too much of a difference. But when you start playing against the top six, and you can just see they're, they're miles ahead. When you, I mean, back then with Liverpool's and Arsenal's and Man U's, and you know the, the the levels is just ridiculous, and you can see why they're the best in the world. And but there was a there's a big gap, and they always say the Premier League's it's got it's three. There's three leagues in the Premier League, right? You've got the top half, then you have got your middle half, which is your Everton's and teams that just float there every every year that are comfortable. And then you've got your relegation teams that are always going up and down between the championships. So, you know, that the top half was a different class. And then the, the rest of the games were, were all competitive. And, you know, it was great, really fun. So what's, what's it like playing in front of, like, huge crowds like that? You know, when you walk out, it's, it's amazing. Just the atmospheres and big crowds. And, you know, that's why you play for, for those moments. Um, but when the game starts, you, you don't hear the crowd. You don't you don't realize what's going on until you actually stop because you're just too involved and you're too focused. Wow. Yeah. I, I honestly, like, that's the thing. I mean, like, uh, it's, it's one thing walking out to it, like trying to play and people scream at you the whole time. It just, it just seems uh, like from an ordinary person, like how you'd actually deal with that is, uh, is crazy to me. So, so you got to, um, you spent time at Southampton and then came home to TFC. Like how honored were you to become the first player and the, the first captain uh, of Toronto in the MLS? Yeah, it was great coming home. You know, for me, it was a, I was at the time of my career where I was thinking, okay, you know, now is the time I can come back, uh, play, play football at home, uh, have my friends and family around getting to come watch me because it was difficult for them to come over to, to Europe at times, right? Uh, they had their life. Um, and they, there was only certain periods of the year where they could actually come over and watch, watch matches. So it was just nice for me to, to, to be home and, and every day, being able to socialize with my brothers and friends and my parents. And so the, the opportunity was just perfect timing for, for me. And it was great. Of course, it was an honor being, you know, from Toronto and, and captain in the club for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible. Um, so you got to obviously play in the All-Star game in Toronto. Like, what was the experience like, uh, like doing that in front of your home crowd? Yeah, the All-Star game was great. You know, the whole build-up for it was, uh, you know, the, those three days was uh, was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. You know, there's some great dinners after the parties that they have going on throughout the city. And then on the match day, it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. The atmosphere was amazing. Obviously, David Beckham was playing. They had 
playing against West Ham. My old teammate Dean Ashton was was up top, and so it was it was good seeing seeing him and seeing some some old faces. But then uh, you know when the game started, it was it was a great match, and uh, yeah, it was a, a lot of fun playing for the MLS All Stars. What's the uh, what's the media circus like around David Beckham? Yeah, it was crazy. It was absolutely wild. Yeah, everywhere we went, you know, you'd have about four or five security guards around them, and just everybody's trying to get a piece of the guy. You know, we we all look at it and go, lovely individual, but there's no way you'd, you'd want that life. It's it's wild. How many security guards did you have around you? And none. <laughs> well, my brother, just pretend you're my, my bodyguard. Yeah, like a, a little earpiece. <laughs> this is a, a question more uh, going to to thousands. How, uh, going to the international front, how important was that uh, Gold Cup victory? Can you tell us more? Because, you know, so it's, it's a big achievement. You can tell us more about this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, we, we had a good squad back then, good bunch of guys. We, we really connected on and off the pitch. And um, we had one goal, and that was, that was to win and, and win something in a career. You know, a lot, of, a lot of players throughout their whole careers, you know, they, they don't have an opportunity to win something. And we just uh, we clicked at the right moment. We had a bunch of hungry guys, uh, and we, we were willing to stop at nothing. And, you know, we, we ended up winning that Gold Cup, which is one of the biggest achievements in Canadian football, uh, beating Columbia in the final. Um, and then after that, we, we, we ended up in the Confederation Cup. And I think we, we won third again in, in the Gold Cup in 2002. So we had a good bunch of guys. And, uh, you know, finally, we, we, there was a squad that was actually starting to win, win some things for, for the national team. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was great times in my career, for sure, winning that, that championship in Canada. That's good. And the, the current Canada squad has a lot of talent. We have Alfonso Davies and company. And back in your days, too, there were a lot of talented players. Uh, what do you think, uh, in a comparison with the 2000 squad, what do you think this current squad is lacking that the 2001 had? Because the hunger is there. I don't think they're lacking anything. It's just, you know, they, they've got a good good squad. I mean, the, the talent on our national team right now is ridiculous. Um, you know, I'm looking at their squad and the players, and, you know, they, they've got some, you know, and listen, if we if we don't qualify to, for a World Cup with, with this squad, we're, we're doing something wrong. I think they're, on paper, we've got some great players, athletic, technically gifted, very good. And now it's just about them gelling together and becoming one and, and going out there and performing. And, um, you know, I, I think they can. I think they're, they're a great squad, really, and they're exciting to watch. Going back to 2015, you were part of the Soccer Canada Hall of Fame. How was that experience? If you can tell us a little bit more about this. Yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Um, you know, it's always great to get acknowledged for, for the work that you've done over the years. And yeah, it, was, it was a nice moment just getting up there and, and getting rewarded and um, having my family and friends all in. Watching me uh, receive the award was, uh, was great. And, uh, you know, I had my kids there and my wife was there. So it was, it was, a, it was a special moment. And, uh, you know, I'm really, really fortunate to be a part of the Canadian Hall of Fame. Personal question for you, because we know like we are all in this uh, difficult situation with COVID-19 because has shocked the world and also has shocked the world of football. 
So players are anxious to not only have official match days, they just want to jump in the field to train, kick the ball, etc. As a coach, how do you mentally keep motivated yourself so you can motivate your players, you know, to get rid of this anxiety, etc.? Uh, we, we try to, you know, we've, we've got our guys on programs that they're working on right now. And then we will have some tactical discussions on Zoom. And uh, so we, we try to keep in touch with them as much as we can and just give them updates of where we're at and what's going on. And our physios are always talking to them as well, getting reports back from the work that they're doing and running. So we, we try to give them, we've got them on programs and we try to keep in touch as much as we can with all the staff. That's great. That's great. And about yourself, you know, like how, how do you keep yourself positive out of all this? Do you have any, like, you know, any self-motivation? Like you watch football, past football, tapes, etc. Self-motivation. I'm healthy. I'm alive. I'm around my kids every day. Me, my family's good. I'm good. That's my motivation. Every day. Football is a bonus, but for me... If I'm healthy, my kids are health, healthy and happy, then that's it. That's my motivation, my friend. That's great. And that's all that matters. Uh, excellent question. If you're going to be playing in a five-a-side tournament, what five players would you play with that, uh, that you've played alongside that you picked for your squad? I feel like this is going to be a good one. <laughs> I, I think in goal, uh, probably have uh, Robert Green. Robert Green in goal. I would have John Terry and... Probably Des Walker, my two center backs. And then I'd – so I'm included in this, am I? It's your team, man. You can do what you want. Do you think you're good enough? <laughs> I'm going to put myself in there because I want to play. I can't – I wouldn't be able to watch. <laughs> I'm going to jump in there and then um, who else would I stick in there? That's an awesome – you know, I'd probably put JJ, Jermaine Jennis in there because he, he was a good laugh, great footballer. Wow, that's that's an incredible team, man. It's uh, somebody the other day had put uh, who played for Montreal had put in like uh, Nesta and Drogba, but uh, I think your one might um, give them a uh, a good run for the money. Uh, just f- f- uh, favorite kit you've played in? Favorite kit? Yeah, your favorite jersey that you like the one that you thought looked the best. It's a good question. I think our, our Norwich Norwich kit uh, when we were in the Premier League, the the dark green was probably one of the nicer kits that I, I think I wore. Yeah, Norwich always had, like, really smart. There was only one that was really bad. It was that weird, flecky one that they had, but they usually always had, like, pretty pretty nice kits. Uh, fav- your favorite boots to play in? My favorite boots, I played a pair of Nike Tempos. Classic. Um, your favorite food? I love a curry. Nice. Um, so what, what part of uh, Ireland is your dad from? Uh, Carrick Fergus. Oh, nice. Beautiful part of the world. My, mom, my mom's from Loch Lomond, or like Balloch in Scotland. Wow. And they, why did they move here? <laughs> I, I, ask, I tend to ask them that in the wintertime. <laughs> when it's minus 30 out. Oh, God. My mom's complaining it's too cold. I'm like, well, you, you're the ones that moved here. <laughs> exactly. They, they shouldn't be allowed to complain. <laughs> but, yeah. Sorry about there, Carlos. Yeah, uh, Jimmy, what are your top three players, your favorite ones, current or in the past? Not that you play with, that you admire, and also your top three coaches. Top three players that, that I watched and that, I, and that I, I admire? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. Uh, I love Paul Maldini. I love Roberto Carlos. 
And I, uh, I was a big fan back then of, uh, I liked right guard. And your top three coaches? I like, uh, I like Pep. I like, uh, I like Klopp. I think he's brilliant. And, um, I'd probably say Conti. I love his, love his energy. Jimmy, we really appreciate you, uh, hanging out with us. Um, when you're in Halifax, uh, I'll bring you out for a point again as to uh, Dirty Nellies. So hopefully, hopefully we get through all this pretty soon. And uh, thanks again for hanging out with us. Okay, lads. Thanks a lot. No worries, buddy. Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate you too. You too, man. Bye-bye. Thanks. The second part of the show is sponsored by the Armchair Commentary Podcast. Recorded right here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Join co-hosts Dave Smith and Mr. Baseball himself, Steve Steele, as they talk all things baseball, NFL, and ice hockey. The Armchair Commentary is available wherever you get your podcasts. We are joined by York 9 new recruit, Michael Petrasso. Uh, thank you so much for joining the podcast, Michael. Uh, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. So, uh, first question I have for you, bud, is... Uh, so what attracted you what attracted you about York Nine that made you uh make the move? Uh I think York Nine always had an attraction because uh obviously when the league started they were my hometown team. So uh like my family I like, grew up in Vaughan, so in Woodbridge, so like York region and uh you know, I, I kinda after the first season I see now go and obviously York Nine actually did quite well last year, finishing third. Um, you know, Jimmy showed interest in me and uh he told me he was recruiting Paul Stalteri, which coached me on the national team. And, uh, you know, my family was here. So it was just kind of always in the back of my head. And, you know, after the season finished with Valor, I think it was uh, more of my number one option to play in the CPL. So, you know, things moved forward over the offseason. I had a lot of talks to Jimmy and stuff. And uh, obviously my family and my family were happy to have me home. because I've been away for a long time, nine years. So, uh, yeah, it just kind of all fell into place. And here I am today, signed for York 9. So. So that's that's one of the great things about the CPL that it kind of gives uh, Canadian players a chance to kind of play back at home. Um, how, how important is that for you to be uh, to be able to play for your local club? Uh, yeah, like I feel like obviously before the CPL started, uh, like I played away many years, and you know I never seen like unless I was going to play for Toronto FC, I never seen like an opportunity where I can actually live at home, especially because like soccer is what I want to do for as long as I can. So basically that's kind of saying that till 35, I'd have to either live away from home or play for TFC. And, you know, this CPL, this leads obviously given a lot of players that are Canadian, the opportunity to live at home. And even like, just like, you know, one of those things where even if you're playing away and things don't work out, you still have the opportunity to come back to Canada, you know, improve yourself here. And, you know, I think uh, as mm-hmm. the league grows, I think it's a good opportunity for a lot of players, you know, they can uh, do this as full time and, you know, work, you know, this is a good goal for, young kids to work to especially you know going to school and you know playing in the york region they have a an opportunity and a goal to play for york nine so i think the the lead in general has just been a, a good output on canada over well the last year so hopefully it keeps growing so so a lot of people have kind of uh, a lot of the players we've talked to have kind of said um how surprised they were at the the standard last year um obviously you've had quite a quite a career like playing in um in england and stuff like that and you played in the mls how did you find the, the standard yourself uh yeah like i think when i first signed uh with valor i had a i didn't really have an expectation in the lead i didn't think the standard was going to be too well because i knew a couple of good players in the league but like a lot of them were on your first year pros and 
you know, it's a big kind of like it's a jump from especially a lot of the veterans that came into the league. And uh, I think after the first couple of games, you've just seen the competitiveness and you've seen a lot of Canadians that weren't known last year are known today. And like even like our MVP last year, Tristan Borges, you know, coming from Sigma, you know, good player. But then now he's made a real big name for himself. And I just think that you see the level and like from last season, I think there was still a bit of a gap between the top two teams and the rest of the league. But I think as a, you know, we uh, like as they set the expectation, I think a lot of teams would get better so and improve this year as well. So I think, uh, yeah, it's actually quite good with the standard. It's good to hear. Um, I, I, like even like, you know, obviously I've watched a lot of football on TV and back home in Ireland and stuff like that. Like I was very surprised at how good the standard was too. So um, it's 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 a good advert for the Canadian game. With Jimmy Brennan, obviously he, he was an attraction and the same with, with Paul and stuff like that. Um, the little bit you, that you've been with Jimmy, like, what's his management style like? Jimmy, he kind of like I would say, at the moment, obviously I've only I haven't really been coached in a game by him, but I've been coached mostly in the sessions. Uh, you know, both him and Paul are very hard on me. I would say, in areas where like you know they demand like perfection, and Jimmy's very tactical oriented. So like a lot of things, he's always you know telling me my positioning and correcting me when I'm in wrong areas. You know, I think they're very strict in that way, which is good, I think, because they bring a lot of, like, intensity to the training sessions. And, uh, yeah, but, like, I would say, you know, they, sometimes they go and play a role of good cop, bad cop, where Jimmy's kind of <laughs> nice to you and then Paul is hard on you. And, you know, so they got a good mix going. And, uh, you know, I've been enjoying it so far. The training sessions have been really good. You know, we play a lot of small-sided games, a lot of competitiveness. And, uh, you know, as a football player, you know, as a player, you know, you always want to play small-sided games. and possessions you know obviously running and stuff uh it's the stuff you don't want to do but you do it too so i don't know after the first month of preseason i've been enjoying it obviously had to come to a stop so uh you know i'm sure i'll learn more about obviously jimmy uh throughout the season goes to show you though that like uh, as a footballer like you never stop learning um it, it seems like each manager probably teaches you something new uh yeah i think that's like especially the way my career has gone, I think uh, every year I think I learned something new, even about myself. Like, just I think soccer at the beginning when you're young, you don't think it's so mental. I think you know you just play and you play and you just show off your like talents. But every manager you get has a different opinion on you. And I've had some managers that really liked me and they bring out the best in me. And then I've had some managers that literally hated me. And like it's just how to mentally adapt to the manager, you know, to get the best out of you and to keep pushing forward in your career. I feel like a lot of players can take a step back from a manager that doesn't like them. You know, like obviously football is a game based on opinion. So if a manager doesn't like you, kind of slows you down. Where if you're playing all the time and a manager loves you, you know, it gets the best out of you. So I think, you know, as a player, whichever team you play for and whatever coach is coaching with the time plays a major impact in your career. So I think those are a lot of decisions that players need to take into consideration when playing for a team. So. That's a really good lesson. Like as you said, like not everybody's um, gonna like it in life, not just in football. So it's kind of it's, it's a good lesson. Like I mean, like um, it's like my wife hates me, so it's just something you have to get on with, right? So doing <laughs> uh. your first month, because it seems like you trained for a month with uh, York Nine. I'm curious about um, your partnership with Mania Parisio, because. Um, you got some similarities with some um, Balor players before. And I'm wondering, because sometimes your midfield 
And sometimes you play in Valor as a striker. So this isn't how is your partnership developing. I know Oman is not enough, but you know, you can notice some hints, some player chemistry. How's that going? Uh, yeah, it's actually been quite good. Like I've known Manu from before. So like as a personal level, like we're good friends, um, on the field, like what I've noticed, like obviously it depends where I'm playing. Like I've been moved around a lot up the top three and stuff like that. So I think like, you know, there's a couple of sessions where I'm up front and then Manu's in behind me. And obviously you guys mm-hmm. watched Manu last season. He's like an engine, you know, he kind of does all the running and all the work rate and he's got good technical ability. And, uh, you know, I use my ability to stretch the game, making runs in behind, and he seems to find me a lot. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, Amano's a good player, and he was one of the main players for last season for York 9. So I think obviously playing with him and a couple of other players on the team will obviously benefit my game. So after the first month, you know, it's, it's hard to really tell. You know, we haven't really played a game together yet in a long time. Yeah. We're kids, so. But so far in training, yeah, like whether I'm playing on the left, right, or up front, you know, one of the first things he looks for he, Kind of knows where I'm going to be either out wide or making a run in behind. So, kind of has the idea of how the way I play and I know how he plays. So, it's been quite good. That's good. Uh, that's a that's a great answer. And and for your ex teammates in Valor, um, who's the player that probably you're going to miss the most? Just the, player. The, that player that gave you that pass, you know? Uh, well, I would probably have to say the player I'm going to miss the most. Well, I think, well, I think he's the best player in the league. Obviously, I've seen him on a personal level last season, and I don't think anybody works as hard as him as probably Marco Bustos. And like you guys just see him in games, but he's just as good off the field, like off the field and in the gym as he is on the field in games. Like he works 10 times harder than anybody. And I think like he's the type of player that can kind of carry a team. And I think last season, especially when I was injured, you can see the amount of work he puts in to help Valor out. So I think all I did last season was take a little bit of pressure off him when I came back into the squad because they had to mark me or him. So, but I think, um, yeah, I think he's one of the players that obviously Valor are going to miss. I'm going to miss playing with and Pacific are grateful to have. So I think uh, it's gone around the lead and a lot of social media now about him. And I think he deserves it. I don't think anybody works as hard as him. So, Yeah, we had uh, Marco Bustos a few episodes ago and uh, it, w- it was a great discussion. Uh, he's an absolutely great player. Just mentioning, like, uh, obviously, you guys were just talking about uh, Valor there. Um, you guys had one of, the, like, the, the best squads last year, but you kind of under, underachieved a little bit. Um, why do you think the season didn't quite go to plan? Yeah, like, I think, I don't know, it's a tough one. Like, I think a lot of players have been asked this question on Valor last season about the way the season went. And I think, you know, we had a lot of good individual players, but I just didn't think we played together as a group. And I think, like, there was moments, like, I guess you have players like Bustos on your team. And soccer is usually won in the second half. Like, that's what I always kind of said. There was some games where I came into the locker room and I throw the towel over my head and I'd be like, I can't believe it. Like, we're already down 3-0 and it's 30 minutes, you know, 35 minutes into the game. And it doesn't give the chance for your quality players to, you know, make that, like, you know, like what you have them for. Like, you know, a game changer, you know, 75th minute to score a goal or make a good pass. And I think as a group collectively, like we'd always concede too easily. And mentally, the more that went on through the season, we kind of just fell apart. But I think, you know, like obviously, like I looked at the recruit, the like the recruitment they did this year. And I think, yeah, they may have lost a lot of good individual players, but I think they got players in areas where maybe as a group they'll play to, together. 
And I think, uh, you know, they'll be a better team than they were last season. I think that's what it counts. Like, you know, it's better to have, it's, I don't think it's good to have three good players on your team, like extraordinary players, and have an all-around average team. I think it's better to have a full group, you know, of 11 solid players. You know, it doesn't have to be extraordinary players, but all played together. And I think that's your best chance of winning games. So I think, you know, Rob's a great manager. Uh, you know, he's helped me a lot in my career. And he's always given me, every time I play under him, I have a lot of confidence and I play well. So I don't think, uh, you know, that was the issue. I just think as a group, we didn't come together enough. That was my opinion. Yeah, that's uh, that's so true. I mean, like, it's it's not all about the individuals. It's about the team, right? So, yeah. um, so did you, like, what... On a personal level, like what was your um, your highlight from last season? Um, on a personal level, my highlight from last season, uh, I think because the season before I played at right back for Montreal, and you know I kind of had a disappointing year at Montreal, and uh, you know I got the opportunity to play again forward, and I kind of, you know, even though I scored penalties, I kind of did create a lot of chances. I had five assists and six goals. So I think attacking wise, I you know it's been a long time since I played as a forward. And I think I was just happy with myself that I was able to, you know, obviously I had a couple of injuries, so I only played minimum of games. And I think the games I played on my, like for myself, I think I produced as much as I could. And I think that for me was a good confidence uh, to grow my confidence again. Because after Montreal, I think I was coming from a dark place mentally. And I think, uh, you know, it kind of brought life back to me for soccer. And I, you know, I kind of feel good about this year coming and, you know, moving forward. So, I think that was a highlight for me. Obviously, you know, I wish I could have played a little bit more for Valor with all my injuries. I actually got injured a couple of times playing against Halifax. So, but uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I think uh, on a personal, that would probably be the highlight. And it was cool to live in Winnipeg. Honestly, like you know, Winnipeg is kind of a cool city. It's a small town feel, and you know, I enjoyed it. I've never been to Winnipeg before I signed there, so. Uh, I liked it, so I think uh, you know it was a good year, you know, all around. Nice. Um, so just continuing on that, like, what was uh, you scored six goals, I think, last year for Valor. Uh, yeah, what was your uh, what was your favorite one? My favorite goal was probably. Uh, I would have to say is probably, I think it was the night we played Victor Pacific at home, and we were down two one. And I was coming back from the 12-game absence of my injury. I had missed 12 games in a row. And I was on the bench, and I was sitting on the bench, and I was eager to come on, I remember, because uh, we were down 2-0, I think it was. Yeah, we were down 2-0. And um, so I go warm up at halftime, even though I wasn't supposed to play, just on the bench. And I go warm up at halftime, and I'm warming up consistently. Even when they start the half, I'm still on the sideline by myself warming up. And then I tell Rob that I'm ready to go, and I came on, and... I scored the tying penalty in like the 93rd minute. I just think it was just a big relief for me like to come on after so long. And I think that was probably my favorite goal just because it meant the most after my long-term injury. Obviously, all of my other goals were probably penalties too. So, <laughs> But yeah, I think uh, that was probably my best goal. And I said, uh, I, I'm surprised you didn't mention the one against York. Oh, the one from Hav, I can't mention again. <laughs> Just trying to get into trouble with the new fans, man. Sorry. And speaking of York, um, Michael, do you have any offers for another team before signing for York 9? Like, was any interest in maybe any MLS team or any other CPL team? 
Um, I'm not sure about any MLS team. Uh, off, like I spoke with my agent a bit, and he just kind of, you know, mentioned that obviously other CPL teams are interested in you. Um, but I kind of just made it like I didn't really negotiate with anybody else. Uh, you know, I just kind of said that I wanted to play for York Nine. You know, and I kind of made that clear early. So his obviously the intentions were to play for York Nine. But he mentioned did mention to me right at the beginning that you know there was other CPL teams that were interested. I just kind of said that I wanted to play for York Nine. So it was my number one choice in my mind and. I didn't want to go around the the bush with everybody else. You know, I don't think it's fair. So I kind of went straight for York 9. And obviously it worked out, which I'm glad about. So. That's great. Um, going a little bit back in time, during your experience with the MLS in 2018, you have played important matches against like big MLS teams like New York City FC, Toronto FC, Atlanta United, Portland Timbers. Um, how was your experience uh, in the MLS, uh, you know, playing such a big teams, and do you do you ended up playing with Galaxy thing, I, or if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I did play against Galaxy. I actually got slapped by Zlatan. How was it? Yeah. You got uh, slapped? Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the YouTube video. It's like a <laughs> five million video. He's the red card he got in the MLS for slapping somebody who's me. <laughs> so yeah, but no, I, honestly, the MLS was a great experience. Uh, it's a lead I would love to play in again. You know, obviously I played it at right back and I kind of wish I had the opportunity to play in the positions that I normally play in because I think, you know, I could be effective either on the field or off the bench. Um, but obviously at Montreal, you know, Montreal was a great city and the games I played in, I was fortunate enough. It just didn't go too well. I think I had a, a couple of rough spells. Obviously the MLS is a good level and a lot of the DPs, like the designated players are left and right wingers. So obviously for me in my first season as a right back, I played against a lot of the DPs and you know sometimes they would beat me, obviously they're quality players. So I think mm -hmm. that was a bit of my downfall, but no, I honestly, it was a great experience and I traded shirts with Wayne Rooney, which is one of my iconic figures since I was a kid. So I'm very fortunate. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So um, at your time in Montreal Olympic, you have played with uh, Louis Bernard Gouillet which is now a new, now he's, uh, he's from the from the Wonders. Yeah. Uh, you guys were teammates in Valor. Have you, have you guys been talking? Uh, what, what reference would you give us about him? We know he's amazing. We saw his reel. We saw him play in the pitch. But do you know about his move? Do you guys talk, text about it? How was uh, it? Yeah, we talked we talk about it. Like, obviously, we were good friends. Uh, at Winnipeg, we were best friends. We were roommates. So, um. Yeah, obviously from Montreal to Winnipeg, and now he moved, made moved to Halifax. Uh, he liked we liked Halifax. Like when, like I said, when we played away to Halifax against the Wanderers, uh, every game I played there was literally like I said, best fans, best environment to play in, and I still say to this day, in the CPL, like Halifax is the place to play, like especially games, like you know, um, good excitement. You know, it's, it's a good feeling. It has that kind of like that English feel to it with the, the stadium and the fans and uh, I enjoyed it and obviously the city like even after the games we'd go out as a team and we enjoyed it so I think that played a big factor because I think we, we both loved it when we were there and Stephen Hart was interested in him from a while back because obviously Louis is a great player and uh, I think he's gonna be very good for Halifax this season he's more of a, a captain figure I would say on the field he's kind of always he looks always a little bit angry because he's always shouting at people to do things <laughs> and he loves it <laughs> 
And if you ever get him frustrated, he's definitely the type of guy that would go in and try to break your leg. So he's a good player, man. Like he's a, he's solid defensively and he's got good passing range. So I think probably one of the, uh, looking at the pickups that Halifax had from the social media, I think he's one of the best probably, or is the best pickup for Halifax this next season coming. So, and he's a good friend of mine, so I could be biased, but I do think uh, <laughs> he's a, a great player and he's going to be good for the club. That's good. I mean, like, you know, he has a command voice because I feel like this is what the team needed this season. A little bit of command voice, you know, in the field, like yelling, you know, in a good way. I mean, you know, soccer-wise. I found it hard to play against Halifax last season. Like, you know, uh, I guess against Valor, you know, it was always back and forth uh, against you guys. You know, you guys always fall short maybe late in the games. But I just think, you know, Louis can bring that extra thing that keep you guys in it, like, you know, all the way through and, those last five minutes that are crucial for teams, you know, if they're up a goal or they're tied to hold on, like he's the type of player that keeps everybody's head in the game. And obviously as a six, that's your job, kind of like you're the focal point of the team in the middle there. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to help you guys this season. Just want to kind of take it back even further than Montreal, if that's okay. Um, so you started out at Toronto and then you made the move to uh, to QPR. Um, how did that move come about? It just seems like such a a random place to turn up in? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I can kind of say it was a bit lucky too. I would say go with that. Um, after the U17 World Cup uh, with Canada, I played in it. And then uh, the next age group was under 18. And Rob Gale was actually the manager at the time. And Rob brought in a, a former Canadian international, Mark Bertram, as one of his assistant coaches to help. And at the time, he was the reserve coach for QPR. Uh, so for the under 21s and uh, so after the camp he came up to me like we had a, those one-on-one -on -one meetings and he said would you be interested in playing in England and I just said like any boy would yeah of course and uh, he's like okay like I'm gonna bring you to QPR and I just said yeah 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 like I thought as in like you know like you know a lot of people tell you things and then the next week he sent me my plane tickets and we kind of went over there for a two-week trial And then I remember him driving me back to the airport after the trial. And he just said, we're going to offer you a two-year pro. We're going to be, you're going to be back here in two months. And then um, that's just kind of how it happened. It happened so fast. I would say within a month of, you know, just not expecting, you know, I was looking at universities to go to and things like that. Like, it just kind of changed. And, you know, I just kind of, the opportunity kind of fell on me. And, uh, you know, it was probably the best decision I made in my life. You know, I had many great experiences. And England, I think, is the best place in the world to play soccer, just the culture. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how the opportunity fell for me. Not nice. Uh, like Loftus Road is like um, quite like a little compact cauldron kind of a ground. So um, it, it's kind of similar to the Wanderers ground, I guess, in many ways. Uh, yeah, Loftus Road, great stadium. It's tight. When you're on the field, you feel like you have no space, though, which was always a problem for me. But... Uh, It was a, it's a good stadium and the fans are great. And yeah, like that's why I said, like the Wanderer Stadium gives you that English feel. Like even the lower league divisions in England, when I was on loan, like League One, kind of reminds me of like the Wander Stadium with the grass and the stadium packed. And uh, I think like, you know, those are, those are places that you want to play. So I think uh, that's what's a good environment for, for the Wanderers for sure. Are the uh, away fans nicer in Canada? Oh, the away fans are much better in Canada. I, I had a couple of shouts from the Wanderers fan. I had some guy on social media. Uh, I think he was he was offering me a beer all game, and then he commented on the Valor page saying, we have your beer waiting for you at the pub at, uh, 
<laughs> I remember and I, and I liked it and then like a bunch of people liked it. It was actually quite funny. So it was that's it was awesome banter over there in Halifax, that's for sure. So um like when you were at QPR though, it was a very kind of it was a, a kind of a roller coaster time in their uh, their history. Um what was it like being around the club then? Obviously like Tony Fernandez had come in and Harry Redknapp and all that kind of stuff. Like so what was it like being on the, the ground of all this kind of craziness going on? Uh it was like in a way it was good for me because like I don't know, like I seen a lot of like amazing soccer players come through the club. Like it was one of those clubs where like QPR is a big club. At the time we were going down from the Prem and up to the Prem and then down from the Prem. And I seen players like the likes of like Adele Tarap, I seen Julio Cesar and like players like these like like come into the club and like they're playing there and I see them on a regular basis, obviously training with the reserve team just to field the cross. And either when they get in trouble or they're showing bad attitude, they come down and train with us. Or we're lucky enough to get the opportunity to train with them. And I just think, like, you know, obviously, like, even, like, Joey Barton and, and, like, like personalities like these, I got to see on a regular basis. And, you know, these are just cool experiences. Like, I have a lot of cool stories, you know, that I can tell my friends and obviously my family that goes on over there. But, like, uh, I just think, like, uh, QPR was, like, they were very nice to me, like, very welcoming, like, and the way they treated me after the whole seven years was amazing. And even when I left to Montreal, they had no like complaints or any restrictions to holding me back. They were just kind of neutral, like agreed nicely. And you know, now I'm a QPR fan. So now I, when I watch, I always look up and watch the games on my score and like the scores and stuff like that. And I have a lot of friends that start for the team too. So, yeah. So I think uh, yeah, it was a roller coaster at the time, but for me, like being a young boy, I got to see a lot of famous soccer players and, I got to train with them a couple of times. And I think that's obviously a cool experience for any kid. Yeah, big time. Uh, like, as you said, like, it's just thinking back to that time, the players, like, I, I forgot that Joey Barton was there and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy yeah, time in our history. With some good players that came through the club, like Leroy Fur was there. Like, a lot of like, famous players that came through. Cisse, Gerbil Cisse was there at the time. Wow. Cool players. Did, did, you, uh, did you ever think to, like, copy his beard? Uh, I don't think I could grow a beard when I was at. <laughs> so, but he had a lot of tattoos. Let me tell you. So, <laughs> so, so you played under some great managers there when you were there too. Like, like obviously, well, they were around the club, like Harry Redknapp and um, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, and stuff like that. Like, what, what do you, what, what do you think you learned from the, those kind of guys? I think one of the managers that like um, was probably the manager that liked me the most was Neil Warnock. He was the one that kind of gave me all my starts for the club. Him and as he had assistant, well, he was my youth team coach that came to assistant, Steve Gallen. And, you know, they, they're the ones that kind of, like, you know, pushed me through. Him and, and Mark, Bur- Mark, sorry, Mark Bircham, of course, the one that brought me over. They were, like, the three people that pushed me the most to play for the first team, I would say. And Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was another manager that always kept me around. I was on the bench, I think, that whole season that he was there, and I came on a couple of times. And uh, so those were probably, like, the three managers that or the, the coaches that were, like, my favorite at QPR, I would say. And Harry Renap was the one that gave me my debut, but Harry is the type of manager that, you know, he has a he had a long list of good players on the team, so he didn't really look at me. I think he just kind of gave me my debut because I was – performing on loan and that's how England works you know they send their young boys on loan and if you perform on loan you come back and 
you get the opportunity for the first team. So I think I put him in a situation where he kind of had to play me because I was doing so well at the time. So, yeah, but I think what I learned from most from my coaching was that to simplify my game, like to know what my strengths are at, like my strengths are and like to maximize those the most because like I'm the type of player that's fast and, you know, that's why when I play on the wing, I try to stay high and wide just so I can maximize my strength instead of coming into pockets and putting myself in areas, you know, where I can't express myself or I'm not as good as I am in the areas I'm good at and kind of let the boys do the work in their areas instead of trying to do everybody's job. And I think those are like the, one of the two things that as a player, like people like should learn when they're young, you know, is to play to your strengths. And, you know, obviously everybody can pass the ball, at, especially at a high level, left and right. But just positioning wise, where to put yourself in areas where you can obviously affect the game. And I think uh, that's one of the most important things I learned from playing under managers like that, which they always keen to pinpoint when you're in the wrong position. But I think that's just a habit as a manager. So, but yeah, I think those are things that are important for players to learn. So like when, when Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was there, was, was he the type of manager that would put on his boots and jump in and, and have a game with you? Or was he just always uh, like... No, kinda... I think he had a bad knee, so he couldn't really do that. <laughs> but... <sighs> He always he hobbled around on his knees, but I think uh, Jimmy was uh, he's uh, he's very confident, obviously because his his career is obviously kind of he was an amazing soccer player. So you know he he has that personality where when he speaks to players, obviously he knows where they came from because he was there, and obviously he's probably been better than a lot of players that he's coached. So you can tell he has that kind of confidence about him as a coach. Uh, Neil Warnock was very old school, very yelling. You know, I think I, <laughs> I think I slipped once with no studs, and in front of the whole in England, uh, they pursue you to wear studs when it's raining or the grass is wet. And I wasn't wearing any, and I slipped, and he made me take off my boots, go inside, change them in front of the whole team to come back out in studs. You know, very old school. Uh, you know, can't wear white boots or anything like that. Always black boots for the young kids, but. Uh, yeah, those are just different mentalities. And I think, obviously, I think every coach has their, you know, their way. And I think they learn that the way they grow up. So, yeah, I think those are just some cool things to take in, especially when I get older and I become a coach. You know, I think uh, I use a couple of tricks from all the managers I played under as well. Yeah, um, the Neil Warnock uh, documentary, um, it's on YouTube. It's uh he he's definitely like a, a character. Right, yeah. <laughs> I seen a few of the, the the team talks that he did at half time when he, I think he was at Sheffield United and it scared the bejesus out of me and I wasn't even there. So <laughs> um we were sent out on loan as you mentioned, like quite a bit when you're at QPR. Like so is that disruptive to your development or do you think that like it like it taught you a lot? No, I think see the way I look at loans, which is not like, I don't think North Americans look at loans, like the leads don't look at loans the way that the like Europe does. Like in England, like if you look at every player in England, like the players that flourish, like Jack Grealish, for example, he went on loan to Notts County the year before I went on loan to Notts County. And I just think as a young player, like when you're in the, like I remember going into the academy and then getting moved up to reserve team. And I was told that the objection being on the reserve team was either to get training sessions with the first team or obviously play for the first team, but or to earn like a scout to scout you to take you on loan to play in the one league two. You don't want to be staying and playing with the reserve team. You want to be out on loan playing professional games because 
the the way it works that QPR always had scouts come watch my games. Like always had, you know, they always were watching me. They knew about all my games. They knew about my training sessions at Knotts County, Coventry. They knew everything. And every time I was doing well, they called me back. You know what I mean? And I just think for my development, it was probably like the best choices I've made. And honestly, if I was can go back now, I'd probably go back on loan as much as I could when I was younger. Just because I think you get you get your you put yourself out there more. And uh, obviously playing senior and professional soccer where games matter. I don't know if you ever seen Townsend's little article that he came out with. He said playing in League One was is probably harder than playing in the Premier League just because people's lives, like, you know, that's their job and they want to win and they want to succeed and move up. I think being a young kid putting in that environment made me, you know, made me learn more and made me grow up a little bit faster. So I think, you know, as like even here, like I see – like obviously TFC have a lot of young players and they kind of just sign and, you know, they stay there for a while and then, you know, you never know what happens to them. But even loaning them out for a bit, you know, even now that we have the CPL, you can loan them out and call them back when they're doing well. Like you would loan a young player to York 9, obviously both clubs have to agree to it, obviously. But like, let's just say that, and he goes and he scores five goals in the first 10 games, you'd be thinking, oh, you know, maybe he's ready to play for TFC. You can bring him back and give him an appearance for the first team. I just think that level is like happens more in Europe than it does here in North America at the moment. But I just obviously think because obviously the MLS is quite a big established lead and there's not many leagues up to the standard at the moment. That maybe that's the reason why. But I just think loans are actually a good thing for clubs and for players, especially. Like as you said, like I mean, the guys that are in League One, League Two, like um, they're they're hardened professionals. A lot of them, and they were probably in your shoes at one stage where they were at. A bigger club and yeah, exactly. they've ended up there. So, did, did you find that the um, like the the style was a lot rougher? Like, with do these guys like you know like um, were kind of bitter? <laughs> and you're the you're the new big thing, and they would like like try and take you out and stuff like that. Did you get like a lot of injuries while you were on loan or anything like that? Uh, no, I get, I think when I went on loan, like like I felt like um, just trying to put it into words, like. You know, I felt important. Like, I think I did really well on my loans. There's a lot of people that go on loan and they don't. Like, I think all my loans were successful loans, which was helpful. Like, when I went to Coventry, I played every game and I was called back. Same with Oldham. Like, you know, these clubs like here, like I went there and I played like a lot of games. And I think, um, obviously, I was young too, which helped. And I just think like the players, like they kind of, like I knew like a lot of players. Callum Wilson plays for uh, Bournemouth at the time. He was on loan with me at Coventry. You know what I mean? Like Cyrus Christie plays for Fulham now. Like these players here, like they were like, you know, like they were there at the time when I went alone to their team and they kind of just worked their way up. And, you know, if you do well, like I guess soccer over there is kind of you need to earn your respect. Like, you know, like, like it's always, it's more like a job, I would say, like you said, like a bit rough. And if you do well, then they respect you and then they, you know, they welcome you more than you would if you went in there and you didn't do too well, which is, it's kind of sad really, but I guess that's just the way soccer goes sometimes. And I just think, yeah, like, I think um, the lead, obviously, level, lead-wise, lead one is probably very physical, very fast and demanding, like, in that way. And I think that was a bit tough for me at the time, like, I was a bit young and small. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, those are obviously high-standard leads to England. So, but I think, yeah, I think uh, loans are good. I think I, 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 like, I would love to obviously get the opportunity one day to play back there, so... You spent, as you were mentioning, a bunch, a uh, lot of years in England, which is kind of like where you pull it off your career as a soccer player. Um, my question to you is more like, uh, 
when you adapt that style of playing through the Canadian way, what do you think you need to add to your game? Like, because, you know, every day it's something to improve for every player. So what do you think your game needs to do to be better on the pitch? Especially like this season. Uh, I think this year, well, what my aim was to be better in was my final product. I think last season, like I had a couple assists, but I think I have the ability to produce a little bit more. And I had a lot of opportunities where I missed 1v1s with the keeper or shots that just went wide, you know. And I just think that, you know, I need to add that to my game where I need to be consistently, you know, taking a shot and scoring or, you know, just final pass needs to be on. And I think that just comes with repetition. So, like, even, like, this year we started training for the month. And, you know, after training I would do shots, like, over and over again. Just so, like, when I get into situation, when I put myself in a good situation, that I have the, you know, the quality and the repetitions to finish it. And I think that would could take me to the next level. I think players, you know, nowadays stats is very important when it comes to, you know, soccer and all other sports. And I just think as an attacker, you know, I need to score and provide for the team and create chances. So I think, you know, those are that's one thing that I need to develop in my game. Is probably just my final product needs to be better. And, uh, you know, I'm getting around the age now where, you know, I need to be consistent enough to be a main player on the team. So, you know, I'm not just a kid, you know, that, you know, is trying to express himself. I need to, you know, be one of the better players and consistently contributing to the team. So I think uh, this season, well, that was my aim to obviously, you know, correct my final product. And, well, when we ever get back, hopefully I get the chance to work at it again and hopefully I can improve it. So. Right on. And as an attacker uh, in the Canadian Premier League, who has been the toughest opponent that you have faced in terms of defender? The toughest defender? I probably, I would probably have to say against Calgary. Um, I played against Sator. I played right back. Uh, I didn't really touch the ball that game, considering that Calgary were pretty dominant against us in all every game we played against them. But I think every time I did get it, he was right up right up tight to me and didn't really give me any space. So I think he was probably the hardest opponent. And in the MLS during your time there? In the MLS, the hardest winger I had to defend. I was a defender in the MLS. So the hardest winger I had to defend was probably in training against Nacho Piatti. I've never seen someone chop the ball as much as him. He's always had me on the floor. So I think he's an outstanding player. I mean, he's the Argentinian one, right? Yeah, he just left Montreal to go back to Argentina. And he was a DP at Montreal. So he was probably up. He's up there with one of the best players I've played with too in my career. So he was fantastic. So you said there when you were at Montreal that you were playing uh, right back. Like, how, how did that come about? Like, why did they put you there? <laughs> this seems like it's not your natural position. It kind of doesn't seem almost fair to you that they would just stick you in at right back. No, well, it, it just kind of came about where, because the, the summer before I signed for Montreal, I signed for Montreal in January. So in the summer, we had the Gold Cup. And I wasn't in the Gold Cup squad. I wasn't even playing for the national team at the time, the Gold Cup. Um, I guess one of their players went down, Octavio, and Paul Salteri was assistant coach at the time. I was coach for York Man, assistant coach. And um, they called me in as a like a trial run backup right back, just to give me a chance, you know what I mean? Uh, yep. to see how I was there because Tavio probably seen like some clips of me and some video of me 
and see me from uh because he came to one of the like the uh, camps uh like younger age group and um so they came in i did really well in the first week of training session and then paul sees a right back and he kind of coached me through what i needed to do but i had a lot of freedom playing as a right back for canada a lot of like i don't know if you've watched our national team play recently like they go a lot forward and direct and i felt like that benefited me a lot because i did a lot of the attacking as a right back and that gave me freedom to go forward and i played really well in the gold cup i started all every game for the Nashville team and then from that cup gold cup i got scouted and signed for montreal as a right back and that would be my first season as a right back but at montreal wow. as a right back i was more defensive and i guess playing a position is different from playing five games in a month you know what i mean of playing right back than playing a whole season at right back and i struggled so like it's not like you know i didn't do as well as what people thought but at the same time obviously if i had a chance to go back to the mls you know and uh you know play in my position or even along the front three or even as a wing back more attacking you know i think i could uh obviously show off more of my ability and hopefully you know do a little bit better than i did last time and right now i just need to work as hard as i can to get the opportunity to do that one of our contributors uh chris was actually wants to ask you uh what is your favorite what is your preferred position my preferred position is a winger i would say um i can play either right or left i think if i play as a left winger i score more goals because i can come inside on my right foot and if i play as a right winger then i'm just direct straight to the byline cross i just think that's a habit that's just been put into me like obviously growing up so I just think those are two of my favorite positions to play. And obviously when I play up front, I just kind of, you know, I just utilize the space I have to do that. So I just think as a, my number one position probably be just as a winger, straight out, out and out, you know. So, so, so like when, with the, with the national team, do, when you're not in the, in the squad, like obviously you said you were injured last year and all that kind of stuff, do they keep in touch with you and say like, Hey, like, you know, if you do this, this, and this, you'll get back into the squad? Or, like, what no, way does that work? Like, I think I went started nine games for the national team when I was just signed for Montreal, like, as the right back, number one right back. And then when things started to go south with Montreal and, you know, they kind of pushed me out of the club, the national team kind of, you know, just moved on to the players. And I just think that's how it works, really. If you need to be playing, like, at the highest level you can, to play for the national team and obviously like you've seen a couple of the cpl guys get called up but no they really get minutes and I just think obviously with the national team level now at the moment with the players like alfonso davies jonathan david you know junior hoylet scott arfield these guys are playing for top top clubs and really say they play in my position so you know, i just think going into the national team at the moment would be a bit difficult but obviously it's a goal of mine and whether it's in the next couple of years you know i really just need to keep my head down and prove myself one step of the way to eventually get there so it's the, uh, it's the best way to look at it but when the opportunity comes if it comes um would you consider to go back to qpr go back to qpr uh if i ever had the chance to go back to qpr yeah but i don't think uh, i think right now qpr obviously it's a top level and i just think right now i'm focused on york nine and I just think, uh, you know, I'm right now in my mindset is the way I'm looking at it is this is where I want to be right now, York 9. So my focus is to perform here. And I just think let the opportunities come. Like, you know, if opportunities come in the next couple of years after playing here and 
you know, I've shown that I can compete at this level and be one of the best players, then you know, those opportunities, hopefully they do come. But uh, QPR is obviously uh, a home to me as well. I've been there for many years, grew up there through the ranks of the academy. So I just think, you know, obviously, I'd, you never know what happens in soccer. So, But uh, right now, I think QPR is a little bit far off for me at the moment. But I would love to play for QPR again if I had the chance. And I know we discussed this uh, off record before we start recording. Um, but I wanted to ask you, like, I know this COVID, it's been hard for the whole league and the players around the world. Um, how has been your adaptation? You know, you got only one month training. I think you guys were supposed to go abroad to do a preseason. And how has been your adaptation, like, you know, during the, the after that month of training that you guys have face-to-face? Um, I think... I think I started off pretty good. Like, I think when I first we went into quarantine, you know, I still had the motivation mentally to do the workouts and do all the running because, you know what I mean? Like, we thought, like, this thing would turn over quickly and we'd be back. But I just think realistically, I don't know. I don't know. I guess you've had many players come on the show and probably say they work out consistently every day. But I just think mentally... And I don't think I'm the only one. I just think mentally as a player without having an end goal and having like a date, you know what I mean? Like we're all going to be back to preseason June 1st. Like not having like a date, you know, looking down the line, I just think mentally it weighs on you. I just think, you know, going every day and doing a workout and stuff like that, like I still do, but maybe not to the best of my ability. And I just think it's hard to stay mentally focused. And I just think, you know, those are barriers that players need to push through. And as myself, I'm trying and, Obviously, I'm here with my brother. Like, I have a brother that plays for TFC Academy. So, um, obviously, that helps me. I get to, you know, kick the ball around in the backyard with him and stuff like that. But uh, I just think mentally it's been hard. And I think, obviously, I'm hoping in the soon future that we'll have, like, a, a date where we can return. And then I'll obviously crank it up a notch and, you know, get back to getting fit. But I just think every player in the league is going to need a, a little couple of weeks to restart before we can play a game because we've been off since last November. And that's almost six, seven months. So. I just think it's too long of an off season. I know you guys like Europe seasons only have six weeks of off season. I know this has played a factor, but it's a long time mentally for players not to be playing. It is, it is, and it's really hard because uh, we miss football. I miss uh, going to the Wonder Grounds, and I'm sure everybody misses going to support their local team. Um, it's very difficult, as you mentioned, um, the mentally part because you know, like you can be physical fit. You like your you, your diet is uh, clean, but up in the head you have to be very motivated, and this COVID is really hard. My question is, um, basically, Jimmy Brennan, uh, what's the message in the local room in regards to COVID? Like, what's the motivation that he's giving the roster in terms of uh, this situation of the pandemic? Um, well, like our group chat's been pretty positive. Um, you know, they always drop in updates and you know adds in a little bit of hope. But, you know, we have a couple of Zoom calls and meetings and, you know, it just kind of tries to say to stay positive. But I think, you know, as coaches, they feel for us. And I think they're in this kind of the same boat as well. I think everybody's eager to, you know, restart their kind of jobs. And I just think they kind of know what we're going through. So they're a bit lenient on us. If some people don't do the runs, you know, they kind of understand, like, doing something every single day is actually a bit hard. And it can be mentally draining if you do every hardest work as you can every single day. I just think it needs to be balanced. And I think, obviously, 
the more you know, like the more like the more we know a start date, I think like you know they'll up our workouts and they'll up our intensity. But right now, I think everybody's at like a light pace, and we kind of do our jogs in the morning. Like we have a run, a Nike Run Club app, everybody uses, and we have to record our runs, and everybody's doing it on that. And we have a workout plan that we do. But right now, where everybody's at a mellow pace, and we just kind of maintain ourselves. And eating wise, I think everybody, I can, everybody's on their own. I live with my parents, so whatever my parents cook for me, I eat. I can't complain. So uh, <laughs> I just think right now I'm just at that kind of stage, and. You know, I'm hoping that I can, you know, start going hard again soon, but no one really knows, right? So everybody's just kind of waiting. We all miss it. Yeah, that was a great input. Yeah, I just, uh, so because it's down the pub, we just do like a little section of the show. It's kind of last orders where we just kind of finish up with a couple of like quick fire questions for you. Um, Carlos has a question that he kind of generally asks everybody. So Carlos, fire away there, bud. Yeah, uh, Michael, uh... This is going to be tough, to, tough, really tough to ask you because you're polyfunctional in different positions. So what I normally ask is, what are the top three players in your position that you admire, like nowadays or could be like from before, you know, your idols in any league? Um, so top three. Top three would be Eden Hazard, uh, probably my number one player, well, especially when he was at Chelsea. Um uh, Junior Hoylet was one of my role models at QPR. We played at the same club when I was a young kid, and he played the same position me on the first team, so he kind of took me under his wing. And another mm-hmm. winger at the moment that I look up to, well, I think after watching uh, the Barcelona TV series on Netflix, I think I've grown to like Suarez a lot more. I think <laughs> he's, a, he's such a, a nice family guy, and his soccer ability is fantastic, so... I think I'll add him in there now. But I think uh, Hazard's always been my favorite player through the last couple of years. I think at Chelsea, he was fantastic. That's great. Yeah, I just started that show like last week. I uh, just in episode three. I can't wait to watch it this weekend. It's really good. So, um, so um, if you're going to play in a five-a-side tournament, uh, who would be on your five-a-side team from the players that you've played with? Surely I'm going to go for my friends this stage here. <laughs> like give him a little shout out. Um as a goalkeeper wise, new player to the lead, um, for Valor, James Pantemis. I was with him at Montreal. This is his first season on loan. Uh, I think I'm gonna say this now on tape. So when ten years down the line, I think he has the potential to be the best Canadian goalkeeper. So we're gonna keep that recorded. You heard it here I first. Think uh, I think I'm a goalkeeper. <laughs> And then uh, defenders, uh, I have five side team, right? So I have me, myself. Yep. Um, I'll put Dylan Carrero, my best friend. So and played together at Valor as well. So that's three. I need two more players. Right? I need a defender. Who's gonna put? I'm gonna put um, captain at QPR, Nada Manua. He um, nice. he uh, good role model of mine too. He's nice, nicest guy you ever meet. And uh, well, I'm going to be the goal scorer, so I have Dylan. And I'm going to put um, Shamit Shom from Place for Montreal, a good friend of mine as well. Those two are my best buddies, and he had a good season last year at Montreal Impact, and he's actually a really great player and from Edmonton as well, another Canadian. So I think uh, you know, I have these two in my, my midfield, and I have me up front. I think that's enough. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Uh, I hope uh, 
hope someday we'll get to see all these teams play off in a tournament to see who actually has the best one. Uh, you're, uh, I don't know what other players are saying. They're probably bringing players from out of the from the superstars, but I think our team will have a great chemistry. There you go. You see, like uh, you know, it's that's as you said earlier on. That's that's part of the uh, that's part of the deal, right? So, um, what's your favorite English food? My favorite English food: fish and chips. Nice, classic, easy one. Uh, your favorite movie? Oh, my favorite movie. You know, I actually watched it recently again. I think it's actually a pretty good movie. Crazy Stupid Love. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Ryan Gosling. Okay. That's, That's a... Uh, it's okay. the first one that came to my mind. It's a tough question to ask me. It's only because I said it recently. <laughs> I'll, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll edit that bit out and put in Goodfellas for you, okay? There you uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, your favorite kit that you've played in from your career? Does that mean like my favorite like jersey that I've worn? Yeah, so like obviously there was the those really nice Nike ones that QPR had and and stuff yeah, like that. My debut shirt was the Nike classic blue and white striped with a red collar. Uh, QPR jersey, probably my favorite kit, just because it's probably special to me too, and it's obviously a nice looking kit. So, do, do, you, do you still have it? I still I have lots of jerseys in my room. Yeah. Oh wow! Uh, oh, I got a frame them all. That's it. Like that's that's the thing. Uh, we we're talking to Daryl Fordyce yesterday, who plays for Valor now. Yeah. And he's completely he's complete opposite. He just says that he has like he had a jersey from uh, Glenn Torrent played against Manchester United. Yeah. Um, and he was signed by Vidic and Ferdinand and all that kind of, those kind of guys, and he didn't even know where it is. I was just like, man, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> the best jersey I have is when I played against Liverpool. I traded switch with Suarez. And nice. I, and I have his shirt nice in my room. I don't think I could ever lose that or give that away i think it's he's too good of a player now especially he was too good of a player then and now look at him now so i think uh you know those are i will keep all my jerseys especially every team i play for in my debut kit i always keep and i give it to my mom and she brings it to the, the safe haven house out here in the, in the suburbs <laughs> do you have like a museum at home <laughs> uh no i think she just keeps it all in boxes till i actually get my own place someday and and then I can throw it all out. There. I can put it all out on display there. I don't think she she's very uh, picky about her own stuff in her house. So but I have them all in my room, so which is okay. And like with your brother now as well, she's she's gonna have to find like a lot of space, huh? Oh yeah, my brother's gonna be the next biggest thing. Big good uh, I'm, soccer player. So I'm, I'm actually disgusted you, you didn't put him on your five side team, man. To be honest with you. Well, you said I had to play with him. <laughs> you play with him. I don't know if the backyard playing with him in the backyard counts, but. It's your team, buddy. You could do. You could have done what you wanted. So yeah, um, you said teammates. Uh, <laughs> Christmas is going to be difficult at your house. Um, so, uh, do you have any uh, superstitions that you like? Any kind of routines that you do before a game? Uh, I do actually. I have. Um, so, I have a Red Bull before a game. So I sip it as I do my pre-activation. And I have a pack of small pack of sour Skittles that I chew on while I eat before I go out. And then I eat a little bit at halftime. I just think it's, uh, it gives me a little bit of like, keeps you wired. And I think I like to go on the field wired with like, uh, you know, a little bit of energy that I, that I lack. Sometimes. So that's what I do. And especially at halftime, I think a lot, I don't think see a lot of clubs. Like I watch a lot of documentaries on teams and they always have Harry Bow candies at halftime. And I think it's just, it's a thing that you go in, you eat, and it gives you just a, that little sugar rush. So, so just want to thank you so much for um, 
for, for hanging out with us. Um, hopefully all this kind of gets... Oh, actually, I did have one more question. Uh, that dance you did for the goal against Yeovil, where did that come from? Oh, I, I don't know. You've seen that dance. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know, actually. I, I did that dance a couple of times when I was in England. Um, obviously, when I scored for the reserve team. But I just think it just came out of nowhere. I think I get a little bit excited, especially <laughs> with all those fans there. I remember scoring. I think I got a little bit excited. But uh, it didn't look too bad on camera, though. Yeah, it looked okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's what a diet of Red Bull and uh, Sarah Skittles will do yeah, to you, right? You have much energy. You don't even know what you do. <laughs> all right. So thank you so much. <laughs> It's it's been an honor, like kind of just listen to you. you've had an amazing career, and you're only 24, man. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. So I have a lot um, of ways to go. So hopefully. yeah, uh, hopefully um, we'll get to see you um, back in Halifax pretty soon, so we can buy you a beer. Um, so thanks for hanging out with us, Carlos. Thanks again for throwing some questions, Michael's way. No, thank you, Anthony, and thank you, Michael, uh, for taking your time to be in the pod. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Take care, buddy. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast. Thanks again to Jimmy and Michael for taking the time to hang out and talk all things York 9. Thanks again to Carlos Benitez for helping out on the episodes. I really do appreciate your help, Carlos. Thank you to the listeners. You're the people who keep us going, so we really do appreciate all the support. You can follow us, as always, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Stay safe, everyone. Until the next episode, cheers. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.